Let's pray. Lord God, as we enter into meditation of your word, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, our souls, our minds. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is an ancient Chinese proverb that says something like, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. And the reality is that each one of us is, is on a journey. It's called life. And we experience different things throughout this journey of life. But the hope is that the, the journey we on is one of discovery and transformation. That at the end of our journey, we look back, we are not the same person at the end that we were at the beginning, right? That there was growth, there was discovery, there was learning, and there was transformation. That's the hope. That, at least that's my hope. I hope that when I look back over my life, I say, yeah, I saw where I came from. I see where I've come to, and there with growth in between. That's the journey of life, and we're all on it. And my prayer is that we would be on it together, learning and growing together, not on an island off by ourselves. About eight Eight or nine years ago, I started a journey in, in, in higher education trying to, to, to learn some things and, and grow some more. But in all reality, it didn't start eight or nine years ago in higher education. It started back in 1983. 1983 is when I graduated from high school and I got accepted and started attending Texas A&M University and College Station. The problem that I had was... I really loved A&M. I loved Midnight Yell. I loved the football games. I loved all the parties. I didn't love class. And it was no, or it should have been no surprise that at the end of the semester, I received this letter. And I opened it up and I read it, and I didn't understand it, and I went to my roommate, who was much smarter than me. He ended up being a professor at AM, so obviously he, he was smarter than me. I said, Daniel, what does this mean? What is this scholastic probation they talk about here? He said, that means if you don't get your grades up, you're out. I said, oh, oh, okay. And so the second semester came, and I didn't do any better. And I got another letter, and it invited me to register at Blinn Junior College. <clears throat> Needless to say, my tenure at AM didn't go or end the way I expected it. <clears throat> now, the good thing is that we are, not, we are not defined by our failures, right? We learn and we grow from them, or hopefully grow and learn from them. In today's scripture, we see Jesus teaching his disciples. 
going from Galilee to Capernaum. And scripture is pretty clear that Jesus wanted this time to teach his disciples, to share with them some knowledge, some information that hopefully helped them grow. Because at this point, they're still not getting it. They still don't understand exactly what Jesus is going to do and what Jesus is all about. In their mind, they're still expecting Jesus to be that liberator that's going to free them from the oppression of the Romans. They still have that mindset. And so Jesus begins to teach them, to instruct them, to help them. And the first thing he does is, and this is the second time he does it, by the way, is let them know that at some point he's going to be killed. He's going to be killed, crucified, and he's going to be buried, and then he's going to rise again. And not a one of them said, what do you mean by this? What, what is this you're telling us? Because they were afraid to ask. Sort of reminds me of my time in a and I was afraid to ask. I should have gone and spoke to a, a counselor and said, what do I need to do? What does this mean? I said, oh, okay. And it's pretty much what the disciples did at this point. They said, oh, okay. We don't know what that means, but okay. But then he goes into a different topic. He says, tell me about what you were arguing about on the road. And again, crickets. They don't want to say anything because they're kind of embarrassed at this point. What they're thinking is important. Because their values are still worldly values at this point. And Jesus begins to share with them heavenly values. And he says, you don't need to tell me what you were talking about. I know what you were talking about. I know what you were arguing about. You're going to be the greatest. And I'm here to tell you that in order to be the greatest in heaven, you have to change your mindset and go from wanting to be the first to being the last and the servant of all. That's where true greatness lies. And then he gives them the example of a child. Now you have to understand at this time that children held a relatively low position on, on the scale, on the ladder of social relationships. And you have to welcome one such as this. You have to be willing to humble yourself and welcome even a child. He'll go on to teach them more things throughout their time together. Because Jesus, first of all, knows what his purpose is. When he went into the desert before he starts his ministry, he comes back with his mission statement. And you can see that in Luke. And so he knows why he's here. He knows what his purpose is. He knows what his journey is. Going to be. He's even preparing them for that. And now he's wanting to prepare them for their own journeys. Helping them understand that they cannot be first, but must be last. They cannot be the one being served, but must be the one that is servant to all. And so they go through this training. This, my dad introduced me to a term years ago when he was at Kelly. He worked at Kelly for 30 years. And, and he had this, 
this word that he would use all the time was called OJT, on-the-job training, right? And, and some of you are familiar with that term. And so the disciples began to use and experience OJT with Jesus. It's on-the-job training because Jesus is preparing them for what lies ahead. They still don't know completely. They're still not getting it, but they know that they've been called for a purpose, and Jesus is preparing them for that for this journey of discovery and transformation that they're going to be sent out to, to experience. And so then it comes to pass that Jesus is indeed killed, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. And it isn't until after the resurrection when his disciples had already denied him, when his disciples had been in hiding, when they were fearful of what the Jews were going to do to them, the Jewish leaders. It isn't until after that, on the, on the day of Pentecost, when they received the Holy Spirit, that the eyes open up and they begin to understand what they've been called for. They've been called for this journey that's not only going to transform them, but it's going to transform the world. And I can say that with certainty. I can say that with certitude. I can say that with confidence. And the proof of that is each one of us, we're still here preaching the same message. That Jesus was dead, buried, crucified, and resurrected and is alive today. That's the message that we carry. That's the message that they took into the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit. They began to live into the journey that God had prepared for them. This discovery of who Jesus was, is, and will always be. And took that message and allowed it to transform their lives and in the process, transform the world. See, the apostles, the disciples didn't always know what it was, but they stayed faithful to that journey. And we know they stayed faithful because as we look at Christian history, all of them, with the exception of one, were martyred for the faith. They took that message into a dangerous world that was not receptive to the good news of Jesus Christ. And they shared it as Jesus had instructed before he left. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the world. And they transformed the world. And all of them except one was, was martyred. And the one who wasn't martyred didn't get off lightly. They tried to boil him alive. He suffered and was exiled on an island to live out his days. But the idea that they would be willing to take this journey with Jesus and to discover new things about Jesus and God and the kingdom of God and to allow that to transform who they were and who they became is a message of hope for each one of us. Because you see, my friends, each one of us is on that same journey. 
We're all on that same journey called life. Each one of us has been created in the image of God with the love of God inside of us to do one thing, to give God glory. And do that by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus loves you. That Jesus died for you. And that Jesus is alive today for you. And so each one of us is called to share that. Some called from the pulpit, but each one called in their own distinct way to share good news, to share the love and compassion of Jesus wherever God has placed you on your journey. And so my prayer is that we might come together as sisters and brothers in Christ to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ together in a world that so desperately needs to hear good news. I have to take a break from the news every so often because I can't, I can't handle the, the if it bleeds, it leads headlines. And I have to look for the good news around me. And I have to tell you that I find good news in each one of you. That you encourage me on my journey. And I pray that I encourage you on yours. And yes, sometimes there are bumps in the road. Sometimes we go through valleys that are deep and wide and seem like we're ever going to get out of them. But we do. And usually it's not by our own merits, it's not by our power, it's not by our own strength, but it's by the power, the same power that filled the Holy Spirit, that filled the disciples on that day, the Holy Spirit that empowers us to rise above the challenges that come, the valleys the bruises, the bumps. We are not defined by our failures, nor are we defined by our successes. We are defined by our Savior, Jesus the Christ. So this week, I'd like for you to consider your own journey, your journey of discovery and transformation. And seriously ask, where am I on this? Is there something stirring within my heart? Is there something stirring within my being that God is calling me to do that I've yet to address, that I've put off, that I've feared? God has called each one of us for distinct purpose. God is calling each one of us here and now. My prayer is that we would answer to the call of God. See, the work of ministry doesn't belong to the ordained. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses uh, 10 through 12, it says, the work of ministry belongs to the saints of God. 
God provides those who are ordained, who are evangelists, who are teachers, who are pastors, who are prophets to equip the saints of God for the work of ministry. Those aren't my words. Those are Paul's. Are we equipping each other, ourselves, to fulfill our purpose, to take our journey, to discover how great God is, and to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit? That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for this church. Amen. Amen. So the invitation to Christian discipleship is just that. To reflect and meditate and to listen in the quietness and stillness of your own heart. Where is God leading me? What is God calling me to do today? Let us move forward in this journey of discovery and transformation.